So going back into the book of Hebrews chapter 1, I pray that the Lord might help us. I pray today that when God gets hold of the men of God across our nation to preach, I pray today that God will open their minds and their understanding their heart and God will anoint them to preach. And even if they're not uh, too involved, I pray God will get them involved when they get to preaching and they'll be amazed at what God does. I pray there'll be a spiritual awakening in the country. Our people need to be woken up. Now, the country says they're woke, but it's in a different manner than you and I. And I'm woke, too, with the Word of God. I, I, don't, I don't want the Word of God, to, uh, you know, to stray from me. I want to hold to it. If you can't hold to the Word of God, you have nothing else in this world to hold to. The Word of God's the only thing I've ever found that uh, has stayed with me. Amen. So I left it many, many times. But the Word of God has always been the same. And when I come back to it, it still had the same promises. It changes not. When I started with this book, it had the same thing it has today. And the Word of God has not been changed. Now, people have changed it. Uh, they've cha or tried to change it. Let me put it that way. And they've never been able to be successful in changing the Word of God. When God said it the first time, uh, he meant it, and he intended not to change it at all. So let's go in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, and let's look at this. We'll read verse number 1. I don't know how much we got out of verse 1 last week, but we're going to start and carry on with verse number 2, but I want to read verse 1 to see where we are. He said, God, and I like that, who at sundry times... Uh, that's at various times, random times, chosen times. Uh, and in divers places, that means several uh, manners and different manners and numerous manners, miscellaneous uh, or miscellaneous manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Now that's how God chose to speak to the world, amen, in the Old Testament. And by the way, Moses wrote the first five books. He's classified as one of the prophets. Amen. And so we find that Moses started all that off and then different prophets come through. Sometimes those prophets had dreams. Sometimes those prophets had uh, visions. And we've got people today that have dreams and visions, so-called. If you ever hear a preacher talking about he had a dream and a vision, that does not mean it is from heaven. Because God don't speak that way. He might be speaking to you to get your attention. But it's not through dreams and visions. And I've had a few dreams and visions too when I ate bologna and wild onions and went to bed. And you can too. And it can be various things that happens in the world. But God, and he's telling us here in chapter 1, verse number 1, that in time past, you see that? Spake in time past, that's back yonder. If I said I, did, I used to do that in time past, what's that mean? I mean, I don't do it now. I used to do it that way. Now, I used to think that. I used to do that. Now, I don't do that. That means time past. So, God spoke in time past by the prophets. That's how God spoke. And the reason he's had to speak by prophets is there was no written word. They had to go by what God proclaimed. 
Now before they had prophets, God spoke personally. He spoke personally to Adam and Eve. He walked with them in the cool of the day. You remember that? And then God spoke audibly to the men of God. When I say audibly, he may not have been speaking to everybody else around, but he spoke personally to that individual like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God would speak to them. And it didn't say anything about him speaking to this or that and other, but he'd speak to that particular one that he wanted to hear the message. And God did that. Then the prophets come on the scene. When the prophets come on the scene, God used that. The prophets. Now the priests performed the work of God. The prophets preached the word of God. You understand that? I'm trying to get this clear. I've been on this for ages. Uh, for years and years, I've had to try to make this clear. I've done that for ages. And to this day, People do not understand it yet. Amen. People in our local churches right here in this county, we've got preachers that won't even accept what I've just said. I'm talking pastoring churches here in this county. Now, you don't know that, but I do. I deal with them. And I know what they're talking and preaching about. I mean, you go to some of the churches, some of the pastors, they're still dreaming dreams and having visions. And people in their church are having visions and people are having dreams and they'll stand up and tell you what their dream was. I was talking to a fellow the other day and I was getting, I rode somewhere with him and got out of his car and he said, you know, said, uh, I had a vision. I had a dream the other night. And he said something, well, when he did, he said a dream, I just kind of passed it off. And, uh, I was getting out of the car and I wasn't going to deal with that. I uh, and so anyhow, what happens, uh, he's, he said, I don't really know what that dream means. I said, I don't either. Went on. Amen. I have some dreams. Have you ever had a dream? You said, boy, I dreamed this dream. I just don't know what that dream means. Have you ever had a dream that shook you up? You couldn't even remember the dream, but you know there's something there. It touched you emotionally. Amen. That's kind of like waking up one night and you're falling, falling, and falling, and you're falling out of the bed, but when you wake up, you're all right. That happens. That just happens. But that's not what God deals with. So after the prophets come along, then what did we have? We had the person of Jesus Christ that came. The Word was not complete yet, yet the Word was on the earth, Right? And then he died, was buried, and rose again, ascended back into heaven. The Holy Ghost came down, and the Holy Ghost pinned down the Holy Word of God through all those what they'd already had in the manuscripts that was inspired, all that which was enlightened, that which God had put on the hearts and lives of many women. These are things that people just don't get. Preachers don't preach it enough. And I know when I say to myself, well, I've been over this over and over and over. Amen. But I'm not apologizing this morning. I intend to do it again. Of course, i got an audience now around the world that some of them probably never heard it. So I've tried my best to give it. And that's what I am as a Bible preacher and teacher. And so I pray that God might help us. And so he says that God spake in divers manners, in different manners, dreams, 
visions uh, in reality and showing them and through the prophets. But now it's in verse number two. says, Hath in these last days, now, present, that's what we are. We're in the last days today. It started back when Christ went back to glory. That's the last days and been started and been going on since then. It said, uh, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his what? Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now, some of this I'm going to skip. Uh, some, of, some of this you don't know what it is because I got it, amen, in my heart. I'm going to preach it after a while, so I'll come back to this. This, this Sunday school and the message this morning are going to run hand in hand. And uh, the ones that don't have Sunday school behind them, they're going to miss some of it. I can't get it all in one. You know me. I can't get everything in one sermon. I just can't. It ain't, it ain't available to me. I mean, I don't have the time available, the strength either. But he says, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Not spoken by dreams and revelations. Not spoken by visions and those sort of things. Now, the Bible does say that the, in one of these days, it says young men are going to dream dreams and see visions. But you've got to look at this. Uh, down the road, they're going back to the Old Testament economy type thing again, too, by the way. And we'll try to share a little bit of that in a little while. But he said, God is speaking today. In the day of the church, how's he speaking? Well, let me ask you this. What got Paul's attention on the Damascus Road? The Lord. He saw the Son of God. Amen. He said, I thought that was a vision. No, he saw his presence. There wasn't no vision. He had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. So in these last days, he's spoken to us by his word. How does God speak to you today? All right, how does he do that? Just think about it. We have two ways of communication. God speaks to us. Well, he has more than two. But he has a, uh, the way of speaking to us by the spirit of the word of God. And the spirit is what anoints the preacher to preach. The spirit reveals Except a man, you know, unless, unless the Holy Spirit of God convicts him, he's not going to get saved. The Holy Spirit shows you that you're lost and undone without God. And then the Word of God is preached and the Word of God shows you uh, what God can do, the author of salvation. So we see this morning that God speaks to us through the Word of God, through the Spirit of God, and the means is through the man of God. Amen. Now, God can speak to you through anybody else that's willing to speak and be used of God. God can use you ladies. God can use you men to speak to anybody about their soul. But God's got to do the speaking, not you. And he can speak through you the word of God. But I found out in most days, it's hard to get anybody that's not a preacher and hard to get preachers to do it. It's hard to get anybody to speak to other people about their soul. We can talk to them about their automobile, their house, their flowers, their cat, their dog, uh, their horse, their whatever. And it's you're comfortable. It's TV shows, the stars, and all that stuff. 
You see, you should talk to people for that because people are interested in that. But when you come to somebody that's a vile sinner on their way to hell, and they have no use for the church, no use for Christians, and no use for the Bible, no use for God, and don't even believe there's a God, what are you going to do then? It's going to take the power of God. And that's where the Spirit of God comes on the man of God to preach and declare the truth. And when he preaches through the power of God, then people begin to hear because the Holy Spirit quickens, makes alive. He gets her attention. I got under conviction before I got saved. Now, there's a lot of people got saved that don't know nothing about conviction. They say they got saved. Put it that way. But they didn't get birthed into the family of God unless they had the Holy Ghost of God to convict them of their sin. And then they had to confess that. So God speaks today through his son. How does he speak through his son? His son's in glory. He speaks to us through the written word. Christ is the living word and he's the written word. Amen. He's at the right hand of the Father today personally, physically. That's where Christ is. That's Jesus, by the way. One and the same. Jesus' earthly name, Christ Christos, is his heavenly name. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. So how is he going to speak to me today if he's sitting at the right hand of the Father? He sent the Holy Ghost of God, which is a part of him, and he speaks to me. Where's the Holy Spirit? First of all, he's indwelt in every born-again believer. And then he is upon everybody that's following him. You can be indwelt by the Spirit of God and still not be a spiritual victor. Amen. Because you're not surrendered to him. The Holy Spirit only controls the part that he lets you, that you let him have. And if you don't let him have nothing of you, the Holy Spirit can't direct your life. So therefore, you start doing things that's against and contrary to the Word of God. I hear people, I hear people saying, I just, uh, I just want God to give me everything I need. And I want God to bless me. I want Him to fill me up and run me over. I, like, I, I just want to praise Him and glorify Him. And you're lying when you say it. You say, how come you're lying? For this reason. God will fill everybody in this building, heap them up, and run them over. He said He would. But it's a key is, is Romans 12, 1 and 2, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice. I mean, can you see a man saying, well, I want the power of God all over me. I want God to take full control of me. And God said, all right, quit buying lottery tickets. And he don't tell nobody that. All right, quit cussing. Oh, you said, I don't cuss. Well, get rid of them old slang words. Well, I want the presence and power of God. Live holy. Talk right. Walk right. Live right. Look right. Be right. No reason why every church shouldn't have people full of God. Do you think God sitting in heaven don't want to touch you? You think God's in heaven don't want you to have anything? He wants to bless you beyond measure. He knows that the run over and the runoff of your life will bless others. But God's not going to 
uh, bless you with a chew of tobacco in your mouth. He's not going to feed you with the Holy Ghost. Hear me? He's not going to fill you with anger in your heart. Am I making sense this morning? And church members say, oh, I want all of God I can get. And the Lord said, I'm going to give you all you can stand. But you've got to clean up a lot of portions of your life because I ain't got nowhere to put it. You've got it full of everything else. You're full of sports. You said, now if I'm hitting things and you don't get them, I'm, you can think of something else to take its place. Uh, the Lord said, you're full of vanity. <coughs> no, I'm not full of vanity. You just do things that are vain. How many of you do things? And I'm not asking for a hand, not asking you to shake your head. But how often do you do things that's just vain? Don't mount a hill of beans. Don't get you nowhere for God. Ain't nobody in here like that, I know. But most of our life is vanity. And we found that out from Solomon. Vanity, vanity. All is vain or vanity. See that? And uh, what are you going to do with the pride? God can't fill you. He ain't got room. You, you've got so much pride in your heart, you can't make room for the Lord. Amen. How many of y'all got problems with, uh, with your home? Just stop. I ain't talking about husbands, wives, and children, all that. And uh, if you go buy something special, you're going to have to set a week trying to figure out how are you going to put it. And if you want it where you want it, you're going to have to move some other piece of junk. You understand what I'm saying? I'm using that as an illustration this morning. How can I be full of God when there's no room for God to be there? You said he can override it. You want him to sit on the you want him to sit on the, the stool in the middle of the floor? Uh, I don't have a coffee table. My wife used to have one, and it got to where it picked up everything. She finally decided that's useless. You got things set around your house, and you just got it there for looks. You know good and well. Amen. You like it because it looks good. It, it's acceptable. You never use it yourself, but it's there. And I'm not t- telling you today go home and clean out your house. I'm talking about clean out your heart for God to put the Holy Ghost in. Well, I'm going to get on another subject. I can stay on that in a while. But do you understand what he's saying? The Holy Spirit's what's directing our hearts and lives. And God make us what He wants. But He's speaking to us today through His Son. He's not speaking to us personally with the Lord Jesus Christ. Personally. But yet personally through the person of the Holy Spirit. And we don't want, we don't want to pay much attention. You know, we call Him it. Or, you know, or the Spirit. And I'm, I, I'm looking at this, and I see so many people just nonchalantly just, just, just talk about the Spirit of God like He's a, no, a nobody. I'm going to tell you something. He demands as much respect as God and Jesus. You know why? They're all one and the same. Amen. I guess you said what I'm going to be preaching on this morning. But we're heading to that direction. 
So I'm looking in verse number two. I've seen so much spiritual ignorance. Amen. In our country today, it's, it's plum pitiful, to be honest with you, to think about. He said, Hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. Jesus is the heir to all things. He's going to get it all. How about that now? He's, he owns it all. He made it all. I'll declare that after a while. But he made it all. It belongs to him. There's nothing you've got that Jesus don't have. It's like, kind of like the old fella. Uh, the atheist is going to argue with, the, with God. This is told as a joke. But it's a lot of truth in it. It's the reason I'm mentioning it. The atheist said to God, said, why in the world you think you're supreme? Said, why don't you let us atheists prove what we can do? And God said, all right, can you make man? He said, yes, sir, I'd make man. Give me some dust. He said, make your own dust. Yeah. Amen. That's what God did. You understand what I'm saying today? We're looking at these things in the wrong manner. And we look at it in, in, in such, I tell you what, we just take God for granted and the Holy Spirit for granted. He said, by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things. Now I'm glad there's another word that's introduced in the Bible in other places. And I'm glad it's a word called uh, joint heirs. Christ is an heir to everything. But we are a joint heir with Jesus. I love this. He's an heir, but I'm a joint heir. If I'm a joint heir, I'm going to get it too. We got people today and they look at what they're going to get, you know, when, when their uh, parents or family or somebody die and uh, they're an heir to something. Some of these are looking for an heir to the throne or something of that nature in the kingships and the queenships of the world. But I'm a joint heir with Christ. Whatever Christ gets, I'm a joint heir with him. And you know what I'm going to get? Everything. See what he says? He said, whom he hath appointed heir of. Now the next two words are very important. All things. Does that mean anything can be left out? Well, no. I'm going to be a joint heir with Christ in all things. That blows my brain. Matter of fact, I can't even comprehend that to you. I can't explain it to you. I was reading something in the Word of God the other day, and it said that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. I was driving down the road and like to run off road time to think about it. He said in there that we are more than conquerors. He didn't say we were conquerors. What's that mean to be a conqueror? It means you've won. You've achieved. You've come above it. If you're a conqueror over sin, if you're a conqueror over death, if you're a conqueror over a battle, if you're a conqueror over evil, if you're a conqueror over anger, if you're a conqueror over a bad spirit, if you're a conqueror over pride, the Lord goes on to say, did you know what? You're actually more than a conqueror. 
What's, what, I've been studying on that all I really don't have all the answers yet. I'm still digging on this, and the Lord's still trying to give me a little point. I'm getting a little tidbit here and a tidbit there, and the Lord's giving me just a little spot here. And, and uh, every time he, I mean, I may, may not even be thinking about it, but all of a sudden the Lord shows me something about that. It's just the way he does. And I'll be reading somewhere else, and the Lord said, there it is, more than a conqueror. And what I'm trying to say, what is more than a conqueror? Well, to the best of my ability is, you not only become a conqueror, but you get all the benefits of being a conqueror, which is the touch of God upon you, which is blessings beyond measure, which is something you can't comprehend. It's more than you, it's unbelievable. It's outstanding. It's glorious to be more than a conqueror. I've always had problems just being a conqueror. Amen. I, I, I have a lot of problems with defeat. God's people shouldn't have trouble with defeat. We've got somebody that has already conquered death, hell, and the grave, and we had not even been there yet. But he's all, and you know what? We can trust him for our salvation, but we can't trust him to pay our bills sometimes. We trust him uh, to save us and keep us saved and bring us to glory and give us a mansion. And we can't even trust him for our health. You ever stop to think about it when your health fails? God just trying to remind you of two things. One, that you're going to die and he's able to take care of you through all. And by the way, why would you even worry about your health? Oh, I don't go out and drink poison. I don't step out in front of a semi. I don't get around people that's uh, coughing and snorting and got disease. I stay away from that best I can. I don't eat poison food or tainted food if I know it's tainted. You understand? And I believe in taking care of what God's given me. But doing the work of God is going to get me in a place that's going to put me in jeopardy and I'm going to die from what I'm involved in. Well, let it be. I've got a better place to go. The more I travel down here in this world, I want to tell you something, the worse it gets. And if you're as truthful this morning, you know this world's not your home if you're saved. You're just a passing through. You're just a pilgrim and a stranger. You're like Abraham. You're running around day after day, running to Ingalls and running to Walmart and everywhere. You're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. You ain't found it yet, but one day you will. Amen. Amen. And I'm trusting Him for all that. Why am I going to worry about the other stuff? Amen. My mother-in-law, she said, what if I die with cancer? I said, then you'll just die with cancer. She spent years worrying about getting cancer. And she didn't even never get it. She died from emphysema and that, uh, uh, you know, from breathing. That's a bad way to go. But I'm telling you, uh, people worry about lots of things. And it may not. Listen, quit worrying about what might happen to you tomorrow. Just think about the blessings you've got today. Oh, yes. Amen. Well, it's hard to do when you're right there in that valley, ain't it? When you're in a foxhole and the bullets are going over the top of your head and you're afraid to stick your head up because you know the devil will be glad to blow that head off and standing back laughing at you. 
It's hard then to comprehend. But I want to tell you something. You just have to trust by faith. Lord, I'm here. I'm going to do what I can. And if I get shot out in the war, I'm coming home. But we are more than conquerors. We are to live not a defeated life, but a life that's blessed. Amen. I get down in the valley sometimes and I get up and I think, Lord, have mercy. This can't be much better. Amen. I've had problems, still got problems now. And I don't see no end to it sometimes. I just trust in God. If you don't move in and do something about it, I'm going down with the ship. But I believe God is going to intervene. You with me? Amen. Church, personal, physical, home, job, finances, everything. I trust it all. Paul said, I, I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Now the things I'm going to worry about is those things I hadn't committed to him completely. But those things I've got committed to him, I've already got committed and I know it's going to be all right. Well, I got to run in a rabbit again. I'm sorry. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. Then he says, by whom also he made the worlds. Who made the worlds? All right. Keep that in your mind. And I'll give you some more clarity on that in just a little bit. I appreciate the Lord. Now, let's just think of something. Did you know Jesus Christ is God's prophetic voice in these days, these latter days? We wouldn't have had no prophetic voice. We've had it. There's been prophecy through the prophets down through the ages. But they couldn't understand that till Jesus came and died. And he fulfilled what those prophets said about the Messiah coming. He went to the grave. He performed God's plan, which is the greatest plan ever was. He performed redemption. Amen. The Old Testament didn't know much about redemption except through a lamb, a goat, or a bullock. That's the only redemption they known. They had what they call the price of silver, which is the redemption price. They had that silver. They paid for that silver. And I ain't got time to get into that today. A lot of preachers won't preach on that either. And, uh, and it wasn't works. It's just that redemption price. See, silver it, it represents redemption. Amen. Did you know the boards? I hadn't talked about the boards in the tabernacle. I got off the tabernacle for I finished it all. But in those walls of that tabernacle, they had boards. And those boards stood upright. And on the bottom of those boards, they had sockets of silver on the bottom. And those, and they put on the bottom where that set down in those sockets of silver. And that silver speaks of redemption. All those boards stood upright. They stood tall. They stood by themselves. They stood where God put them. They had them all figured out where this board went here, this board went here, this board went. See, God's got us in His redemption, and He's got us exactly where He wants us. He's got me in the pulpit, got you on the pew. You're on them boards. But we all have been redeemed. Not by silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Christ. You see that? 
So we have that redemption. And as we look at that and we bring it through, we find that redemption is preached all through the Old Testament. And Christ became the redemption by the supreme sacrifice that he paid of himself on Calvary. Now, the Old Testament redemption was impartial. I didn't say impartial, but it was in a partial state. It wasn't complete. When an animal died, it was not complete. It only covered the, uh, the sin of the people until the true sacrifice came. You got that, hadn't you? I'm sure you know all that. That's not nothing new to you. But the Old Testament redemption was made in fragments. A sacrifice here and a sacrifice there. But when Jesus died, it was once for all, for all men. We don't have to have a, a sacrifice anymore. He's to fulfill a redemption of Christ. It ended up being a perfect sacrifice. So in saying all that, Jesus became God's prophetic voice in the Old Testament and fulfilled it in the New. Secondly, well, let me just say this. Ezekiel portrayed the glory of Christ. In many passages of, of the book of Ezekiel, you'll find that Christ was... A, was uh, reflected in the glory of, of God. Isaiah expounded the nature of God as holy and righteous and merciful. Amen. That, that's, what, how he meant, that's how he portrayed God. But Christ came along and manifested what Isaiah preached. You see that? God is holy. Uh. Isaiah said, holy, holy, holy. Amen. Is the Lord God. He even tells us that in the book of, of Revelation. They're crying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And that's what they're doing. And then Jeremiah come along and described it as the power of God or God's power. And Christ come along and displayed God's power on the cross of Calvary through death, burial, and resurrection because he raised himself up on the third day. Amen. What we need to do is see a closer look and a better look at Christ all the time. This world's getting farther away from Christ and what they see of him. And he's not experienced and not noticed and not described and not followed after like he ought to be. Amen. Uh, I hate this. My time is going to catch me and I sure don't want to quit. But here we got to go. All right. And uh, men can ignore him in this modern day. They can minimize him in this day. They can despise him in this day. They can reject him in this day. But the only hope for mankind or womankind or any kind is to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That's the only way God will work. So Jesus is God's prophetic voice. Amen. Now Jesus is God's Son. Matter of fact, the Bible calls him the only begotten Son of God. God has no other. And uh, so he's the only begotten son. He's not just a good man, as some religions teach. And I'm going to get into that here pretty soon. What do all the nations, or what all, not nations, what do all the denominations teach about Jesus? That's the key factor where you want to recognize these people or not. What's the Jehovah's Witness think about Jesus? What's the Mormons think about Jesus? What's the Seventh-day Adventists teach about Jesus? You understand? What does... Uh, all the religions. 
What do uh, the Pentecostals teach about Jesus? What do the uh, Christian science teach about Jesus? What does the Christian church teach about Jesus? You understand? What does the Baptist teach about Jesus? And they're all mixed up and everything. And we're going to talk about that. He was a great teacher. And uh, he was a great leader. Amen. But people don't understand that or recognize it today. So I'm going to stop there because time's caught me. And we'll pick back up there again next week, hopefully, and trust God will help us. Uh, I believe what we taught today was very enlightening. Even though you've heard it before, we laid it in a different manner, and I believe it'll stay with you. God help you. God bless you. Pray for the rest of the service this morning. Amen and amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the goodness of God. Thank you for the mercy of Calvary. Thank you for the blood of Christ. I pray, God, you'd touch the remainder of the service today. Those who come in, may you touch them, strengthen them, encourage them, bless them. We'll give you the glory and the honor for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen.